welcome to Tone Vendors, a sound designer's podcast. Here are your hosts, Timothy and Renee. All right. Back for another one. Right now I am out walking in the neighborhood yet again. Birds overhead, leaves crunching beneath my feet. Here's a car by. Now, instead of one microphone, I got three up in my right hand. I'm holding my trusty, faithful SM7B. In my left hand, I'm holding my new toy, stereo mic mount, with my old venerable Rode NT5s and the brand new NT5O Omni capsules that I just ordered and got in. Well, not just. Got them a week or so ago. So that's what's giving you that beautiful stereo ambience on top of my voice. So what I'd like to do today is talk a little bit about what my vision is for what these mics are going to do for me, why I got them, how they fit into my overall kit, strengths, weaknesses, etc. Now, a couple episodes back, I was talking to Paul Verostek, and I told him that one of my next acquisitions was going to be a pair of Omni mics. I had my eyes set on a couple of Microtech Geffels, or Geffels, however you call those. You know, I was going to save up 1500 bucks or so over some time and go pick up a couple of really nice Omni mics. Why do I want Omnis? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, the obvious strength that they have, the thing that they do really, really well, is ambiences. Now at the office, I have access to a pair of Sheps Omnis. Well, it's the Sheps CMC6s. I have various capsules available, Omnis being one of the options available to me. And I've taken those mics out to do crowd recordings, you know, quite a bit. Uh, I took them out to the Trump rally protest. I took them out to the uh, Gay Pride parade. Um, I've taken them out quite a bit for crowds and they've worked just beautifully. And this one of the strengths of Omnis is they get a really just true and real 
capture of the um, of the stereo field, you know, in a very kind of natural way. But you know, omnis have a uh, broader and more diverse history than just crowd recordings as microphones. Um, inclusive of human speech, the vast majority of lavalier mics are omnis, and a fair amount of broadcaster handheld stick mics are omnis. Electrovoice makes a lot of dynamic omnis, etc. So a lot of the actual news broadcast voices that you hear out in space are done with omnis. That was a guy on a bicycle with the radio that just blew by me. <laughs> so, you know, people use omnis a lot for speech. So with that in mind, I'm going to switch up right now. I'm going to come off of the 7B. I'm going to go to the road for my speech for just a bit here. So I readjust. All right, here I am talking into the road. Now, one of the things that I've got on these mics right now is a just a open cell foam kind of softy for wind protection out here in the world. The particular ones that I have are the DPA softies. They work great. You know, once you get up to a certain size of wind, they kind of give way, but up to five or 10 miles an hour, and you start being pretty good. So that's kind of the flavor and the character of an Omni. Right now I'm about, I don't know, four inches or so from my face. Walking along. It's a nice natural sound. And the thing about running an Omni is the only variable that you really have control over out in space is proximity. So the difference between holding it right up to my mouth and talking to it versus holding it, I don't know, let's say two feet away. Two feet away is right there. So it's a pretty big difference, even if I volume match, you know, as I level match it, there's still quite a bit of difference. So I'm going to switch back to the 7B now, coming off of the road back to the 7B. And I'm back to that. Roads are now back to my stereo mix. So let's talk about what makes Omnis special, what makes them a little bit different. When you're dealing with microphones, fundamentally all microphones end up being Omni at low frequencies and even in a lot of cases at low mid frequencies. And also, all microphones end up being directional at very high frequencies, even omnis. The reason this is is because of the, uh, the physics of how directionality is achieved in microphones. Now any cardioid, hypercardioid, supercardioid, shotgun mic, if 
you pick one up and look at it, I'm specifically talking about small diaphragm condensers here, but if you pick one up and look at it, you're going to see vents in the side of the mic near the capsule. Those vents, what they do is they time delay some of the sound that's coming from the side and they phase cancel it out basically at the microphone capsule before it gets recorded. Now one of the physical limitations of those vents is the size of the wave that they're delaying. So the smaller, you know, the vent design is only going to work at certain frequencies. And when you get into the shotguns with the big long interference tubes, those interference tubes are doing the same thing just on a bigger scale. And they're able to effectively reject from the side and from behind at lower and lower frequencies. But fundamentally, once you get down, even with a shotgun, to 200 hertz or so, you're back in Omni. Now on the high frequency side, even Omni mics, like these roads, are directional. I think that this is because at the super high frequency side, and not super high, I'm talking, you know, 12K or so, somewhere between 12 and 15K, the length of the waveform is smaller than the width of the capsule of most small diaphragm mics, which means you can hear which way they're pointed. So how does this work? Well, I got two theories on that. One is that the body itself of the microphone is shadowing the frequencies that are coming from directly behind it, which means that those higher frequencies have to travel around the mic in order to hit the capsule. Get into a playground here. Another part of the theory might be that because the waves themselves are smaller than the physical diaphragm, they're just going to be directionally recorded. While I'm here at the playground, I'm gonna record some footsteps. So I'm gonna hang these omnis down just past my knee and do some walking. pretty nice that that actually feels very real on the footstep side.
That's what I kind of like about it. So coming back to my train of thought here. The interference tube and the vents in the side of a cardioid or a hypercardioid mic have a couple of side effects. One is which it makes them non-linear at the low end. So in other words, the low end of those mics is always going to be shaded, colored, and often high-passed, especially compared to what an Omni is doing and what your ears are actually hearing. The other thing is that there is a proximity effect caused by the physical process of making a mic into a cardioid. So as an example, again, here's me talking into the SM7B. And if I get real close on it, I'm outside here, remember. But I'm real close to the SM7B here, and you can hear that proximity effect going. All right, now I'm gonna move back to the Rode Omni here. So here I am, real close to that Rode Omni. This is the exact same distance, the exact same loudness. And you can see that there's not that same proximity effect. Proximity effect? No proximity effect. SM7B, NT5 with the Omni cap. So proximity effect, it's, it's an effect. It's a cool thing when you're doing things on purpose. Uh, it's problematic when you are trying to not have proximity effect. And again, that's a side effect of the cardioid capsule physics. Omnis aren't out of the woods though, because Omnis have an issue with monocompatibility. You have multiple Omnis up in space. The reason is because the only way you're perceiving any stereo imagery with Omni-Mic recordings is through time differential. You're not hearing any frequency differential at all. So when you sum those together, you get some really nasty phasing. I'll give you an example when we get up to the street here. All right, so here I want to illustrate the specific problem with having Omnis up in space. So I'm by the street. Lots of traffic. Now when we're spread out to stereo like this, it sounds beautiful. All the low end is right. You get a nice tracking from left to right. It's a very open and natural sound. But, if you take both of those tracks, but if you take both of those tracks and sum them to mono, you get something that sounds like this. 
which is pretty crazy. Pretty dangerous situation, especially when you consider that things like Apple HomePod, the Google One, it's just not super reliable to assume that you're going to have two speakers going that you're not going to send to mono. You can't guarantee it no matter what. I mean, fundamentally, the reality is you do have to consider mono. Now that crazy phasing thing happens mostly with stuff that's moving in space, stuff that's traveling from left to right. If something is static and you got two omnis on it and you sum it to mono, the differential is not going to change. So you're not going to get that crazy swoop. Which is why things like orchestral recordings with decatries still work. A decatree is three omni mics up in space, but the orchestra is not moving around. So if you collapse it down to mono, you're still broadly going to be okay. Busy weekend here in the neighborhood. So that means when you decide to pull two omnis out, you have to be careful to stick with either ambiences or with things that are not going to change their positions too much in front of the mics. The other big consideration with Omnis is, fundamentally, they're not going to isolate what you're recording from the environment. No matter how close you put it, my shoes are squeaking. They're still recording in every direction. which is in itself a kind of effect. It's a little different from proximity effect, but you still have to think of it as an effect. So again, when we're dealing with things and we want them to sound like they are in space, they're gonna sit in a mix like they're in space. Omnis are a good choice. My footsteps. Just supernatural and every ounce of everything is there based on proximity. So I'm super excited to uh, go run some tests, go find some strengths and weaknesses, go, uh, go really push the, um, push the boundaries of these mics and really get used to them. My initial impressions of these particular microphones. So going back to the talk that I had with Paul Verostek, we were talking about our philosophies on acquiring gear. One of the things that I believe and that I said at the time was whenever you're looking to step into a new kind of gear, a new type of gear, a good option is sometimes to spend just a little bit of money. Get yourself something moderate, low end, get in the game, and go out and do a lot of recording with it. Get used to it. Find out the strengths and weaknesses of whatever that particular thing is, be it an MS setup or a shotgun or whatever. 
a lav and do a lot of recording with something as early as possible. And then once you're confident in it, once you understand what it is you're working with there, then you save up, skip the middle ground and go to the super high end on your next purchase, on your next upgrade. So in other words, don't take multiple steps up because you'll end up selling your middle steps. So trying to practice what I preach here. It's just peeling out. So trying to practice what I preach here, I said, well, I'm not gonna save up and just jump into those gefels quite yet, or the Neumanns or any of those. I already own the NT5s. I never really used them because I never loved how the capsules sounded. Um, they just, they had that high-end bump made them feel kind of cheap to me. And I wasn't, uh, wasn't often very happy with what they were doing. The one big thing that they did have was a super low noise floor. So if I wanted to record like sand sliding around in the studio or something, they're a good mic for that. But tonally and texturally, I was never really impressed with them. But I said, you know, the Omni caps are 90 bucks each. So I can get into a solid workable Omni rig for under 200 bucks, given what I already own. And I can go out and play and record and really wrap my head around what I'm trying to do before I drop 10 times that much on another pair. Well, at some point, one of the folks over at Boombox Post hipped me to some recordings that he made with his NT5s that had some capsules that were modified by Michael Jolie. Everyone's out doing yard work today. So Jolie is the guy that does the Octava mods and he mods, you know, a variety of different microphones and microphone capsules to improve their performance. And the recordings that were made with the NT5s with the modified cardioid capsules were really impressive. I really dug them. There's the guy. So, I emailed Jolie, and I said, hey, any chance you can uh, put some Omnis for those NT5s on the menu? And he graciously responded and said, the NT5 Omni capsules don't have that high-end bump. They sound great. I don't need to mess with them. Pick them up, you'll enjoy them. And I said, oh. I was very excited by this. So I picked them up. And I gotta say, my first impression with these is really, really good. I am thoroughly pleased with the rig that I'm holding in my hand right now. Especially given the money, but even despite that, if I had spent 10 times as much on, on the sound that I'm getting here, I'd still be happy. They're nice and clean and even. They feel very natural and real. They're super quiet. 
one of the big positives with the road stuff anyway is that it's really built like a tank. I mean, the metal that they use for their microphone bodies and the connectors that they have on the back are just really, really solid. So given the total package, I'm really happy here. So for the back end of this podcast, we're going to run a couple of tests, make a couple of recordings, put them up for everybody. I'm not trying to release any of this as a library. I'm trying to put these microphones through their paces. I'm going to try and use them in some uh, typical and atypical ways. And we'll see what we all think. All right, this recording is just for fun for me. This is the Rode Omni mics. I'm um, working with some really crunchy leaves over here. I'm going to be shoveling them into a plastic, into a paper bag. But in the meantime, I'm also going to make some noises. So here's me uh, kind of walking around in the dirt. Pretty soft. Here's the leaves. leaves all right let's come over to some looser dirt Mics, we're bagging some leaves.
raining outside and the boy is sleeping upstairs. I'll try and catch a little bit of that. Pour it all in real, real fast. There you go, very good. Okay, nice and even. We'll put this back on. Thank you. I'm the what? Right now. I want you to be quiet for a little bit while it pops. I don't up. see them doing it. Now, high five. That is now we're gonna put some butter in there. Can I do it? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now be careful because it's really hot, okay? Okay. Come on, little. Come this way. I'm all ready to go to the museum. Yep, let's record the garage door right quick and then we'll go. There's the door. You going to open it? Yeah, now hold this. Now wait for it. Alright, hit the button, the big one. 
Right. See this? See this big gray one right there? Yeah. Put that one. Go hit it again. That's a little more than a foot away. All right, hit it with your hand. Now put put the put that down. My buddy. Put the switch down. Put that right here. Take your hand and hit it. Yeah, do it again. One more time. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now watch this kiddo. The part of the mama. I'm straight up in suburbia. Close that close the kitchen door for me, will you? what it sounds like. Boxing double end bag here. Ready? Yeah. That's a double end bag. Huh? All right, kiddo, let's close the garage. Let's go to the museum.
scorecard number three, John Klingberg. Assist by number 27, Alexander Radula. And by number 14, Captain Jamie Bent. Time for the Stars goal, 2.46.